You don't need to. Oh, are we on? What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Ben here. Still got the guest sitting next to me, Mike Umber. That was a good rip. That was fun. I enjoyed it. I did as well. It was, uh, I think these are important conversations to get out there. We don't have to rehash the conversation. We just had right. it. Right. <laughs> I got to go home. My wife's on her way. Actually, car, I'm not going to be, we're just going to rip the ads from last episode. My wife's about to pick me up. And then she's going to get her nails did because she was such a saint last week during South by Southwest. I was gone every night. She goes to the party. She goes to people. Um, so she's getting a little pamper. She earned it. She did. She earned it. I like that. She earned it way, in way more ways than, than what was just described too. Enjoy this rip. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall from me here at TFTC Studios at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. They're building incredible financial products for Bitcoiners with security in mind. They have their vault product, which is two or three multi-sig quorum, a collaborative custody model where you hold two keys. Unchained holds one key. You always have complete control of your Bitcoin if you have your two keys. If you're ever in a pinch, Unchained is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum uh, to, to make sure that you can move your Bitcoin. They've open sourced that vault product solution via Caravan. They're contributing to Bitcoin open source community and projects. They've got a R IRA, not IRA, RIA. IRA? IRA. It's IRA. They've got an IRA product as well. You can roll over your, uh, your IRA into Bitcoin and do it in a way where you actually control the keys of, of your Bitcoin that you hold in your IRA, which is very important. Uh, they've got their lending platform, which allows you to use Bitcoin as collateral to get US dollar same day liquidity. And they're building out more and more products every day. They have a white glove concierge service that will take you from zero to having a multi-state collaborative custody vault set up. You tell them the TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that package. That package includes multiple video conference calls. Uh, they're going to send you hardware wallets and then they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your bolt once you have it set up. Go check everything they have going on at unchained.com. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. There's a team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest and longest running mining pool in Bitcoin's existence. They are also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which if downloaded on a compatible ASIC, is going to help you stack more sats with your hash. It's a beautiful thing. If you have an ASIC that is Brains OS Plus firmware compatible and you're not running Brains OS Plus firmware, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. The Brains team is also here to get you wise on everything going on in the Bitcoin mining space, whether it be via their blog, which puts out incredible content. They just dropped a piece on Paraguay today that I highly recommend you freaks check out. Uh, on top of that, they have a data page, insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot brains, again, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com, which is going to give you all the data you need on the state of the mining industry, profitability of individual machines, uh, pool data, hash rate, difficulty, all of that and more. Go to brains.com to check out all of this. This rope is also brought to you by our good friends at HODL. HODL, HODL, HODL is here to bring you a lending platform that requires no KYC, no AML, and it's peer-to-peer. -peer. What you do is you go to lend.hodlhodl.com and if you're a Bitcoiner is looking for liquidity, you don't want a tax event, uh, but you need to spend, uh, you need liquidity 
uh, and you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, you put your Bitcoin up in a two or three multi-sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the trade holds one key, and then HODL HODL holds third key. You do not have control over your Bitcoin in this. However, since you do hold one key, you have visibility into the collateral multi-sig address, or the wallet, excuse me, which allows you to ensure that uh, as throughout the duration of your loan, your SATs are not going to be rehypothecated. So if you're paying back your loan, you're going to get your SATs back at the end of the day. You know it's in the escrow multi-sig wallet. Uh, you put your Bitcoin up as collateral, you get stable coins in return. Uh, and again, you pay back in stable coins. If you're a stable coin guy or gal and you want to get yield on your stable coins, you're not doing anything with them, this is how you do it. You go to lend.hodlhodl.com and you put your stable coins up to be lent out on the other side of that marketplace. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Check all this out. No KYC, no AML. Leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties peer-to-peer. It's a beautiful thing to see. Okay. Last but not least, this rip is brought to you by good friends at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. We are two weeks, two and a half, three weeks away. We're getting close, freaks. All right. Biggest conference in the world ever. Ever. Bigger than Live Aid and the World's Fair combined. And it's going to be cooler. Much cooler. There's a bunch of Bitcoin stuff going on. They're releasing the schedule. They're, they're slow dripping it. Um, <laughs> your boy, Uncle Marty, is. We're, Matt and I are going to be doing a live RHR on the open source stage. I'm going to be on a mining panel. Is the SG an attack on Bitcoin? You're going to have other influential, uh, I should not refer to myself as influential. You're going to have other Bitcoiners, uh, CEOs in the space, uh, people building apps. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful experience in Miami, South Beach, April 6th to 9th. First day is industry day. If you want to bump elbows with people in the industry, you go to that day. Day two and three are general conference days. Again, many stages, many talks, many panels, many demonstrations. Day six and seven, or excuse me, uh, that's the seventh and the eighth, days two and three of the conference. And then day four on the ninth, you have uh, a music festival. Logic's going to be there. Dead Mouse is going to be there. Steve Aoki is going to be there. Run the Jewels is going to be there. It's going to be a beautiful day. We got comedy as well going to the conference. Go to b.tc slash conference. If you have not bought your tickets yet, use the code TFTC for 10% off. TFTC for 10% off b.tc slash conference. Get the tickets while they're still available. And I'm sure they're going to be going up between now and the beginning of the conference. Um, reminder too, if you want to uh, take part in the fountain.fm contest that's going on right now, download the app, listen to a rip on that app. You're going to get a thousand sats deposited into your fountain app. Uh, account within 24 hours and then one of you lucky freaks is going to get 50,000 sats. Uh, this is running through March 31st. Listen to this episode. Enjoy. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Kind of the, the rhetoric out of D.C. and the rhetoric out of Sacramento and 
and how that really impacts an operator uh, because a lot of it is just misdirection. Yeah. It's pretty insane what's going on right now. Yeah. yeah. Are you a greedy oil company operator? <laughs> I, I don't think I can be. I mean, it's been five years and we've shipped like eight loads of oil. So I don't think <laughs> <laughs> about 120 barrels a load. So uh, I want to be, I want to be, and then I want to give, give that money back to the community. Well, you're not going to be able to give it back because Elizabeth Warren's going to take it from, mm-hmm. your, from your hands first. Right. In, in 10 more years when I do generate a profit, it'll be too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been five. <laughs> yes. It's uh, freaks. I ninja launched on you. We're live. I'm sitting down with Mike on bro. You've Hello, pro- everybody. You've probably heard clips from him on the show. We've showed many cl- clips of yours on the show. I've seen a couple. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple. I was like, wow, that's cool. Well, th- I think you're cool, dude. And I'm very happy Likewise. that you're here uh, because I think, like I was saying, you're one of the few voices in the oil and gas space that isn't, I said something that was probably brash before we hit record, but you're not timid to call out the nonsense in the space, which is desperately needed right now. We, we live in a clown world. And as it pertains to oil and gas, particularly in the United States, the energy policy that has been thrust on your industry is nonsensical. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of unproductive hysterics who keep beating you down. <laughs> That's a good, I, you said it. I like that. Uh, yeah, I think we have to have a voice. And if we don't have a voice, those hysterical voices will get all the airwaves. And it's either them or the politicians, which kind of just, go with the hysteria because they want to be elected. So it's just kind of their echo chamber. And we, um, I think for too long, the industry relies on this. Oh, well, the big, big players, Exxon, Chevron, whoever, back 40 years ago, when they tie all this nonsense to climate change, that they're hiding this from people. And we as independents can't expect those majors to correct this. And I don't think they ever can because their environmental impact is whatever infinite times, you know, mine will ever be as a local operator. So it's totally different. So I guess maybe we'll start there. Let's let's Mm -hmm. define for anybody out there who's listening. It's like, what the hell goes on in the oil and gas world? How how would you define independent operator versus like a super major? What is the dynamics across the industry Mm -hmm. in different players like? I think the majors just generally, they have uh, national oil agreements with, you know, Saudi or whoever. They're operating in national oil fields that are, that are unfriendly to us. They might have uh, typically upstream, midstream, downstream operations. So they're the full spectrum of operating and they're massive corporations. Um, for me, when I'm saying independence locally, I'd say an operator producing under 20,000 barrels a day of oil in California. And there's, there's some in, in California, but there aren't many like there are in the Midwest and throughout the country. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of independents in that range that collectively don't have a voice. What, like, so why I wanted to bring you on particularly is because like you are a voice for, and again, trying to like get a, perspective on the whole landscape like you're a voice for producers in california particularly right and this is different than like voices in like, North Dakota or Texas. Yeah. <laughs> like, what what's it like being an oil producer in, in the state of california um 
I think the best way to describe it is when I went to NAEP in Houston, the North American Petroleum Expo, um, I've been plenty of times, but it was back on this year and everybody was calling me the last of the Mohicans because I've been posting things on LinkedIn. I'm like, well, I guess that we're a dying breed in California. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Um, Sacramento is vocal about wanting to stop in-state production by 2040 or 2035. I mean, it's hard to keep track of all these like 15 and 20 and 30 year timelines and, and like <laughs> you know, mandates. Well, but. The, that's been one of my things when the one 2030 actually might be like 2028 or 2029 is the year I have in my head. When I'm going to go to Greta and Greta, you said in 12 years, the world <laughs> is going to be underwater and everybody's going to be dead. This, this hasn't happened. Like, do you have any introspection on, on that 12 year, right. that, that 12 year call that yeah. did not come to fruition? Yeah. And Greta will be like, oh, maybe then she'll start to understand business side of things. But that's, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? All these really, whatever the generation is now that's that young, these babies, they don't have any notion of how money flows, how energy flows, how any of it works. They're just on this little drumbeat that the planet's going to end. Yeah. Sad. You're, you're bad humans. You're <laughs> yeah. bad. You shouldn't be doing things. Stop We're driving. Using... <laughs> well, they're going to make sure they're going to try to make sure that happens. Right. But in California specifically, what has the development of the month, uh, the demonization of the local oil industry been like over the, the last decade, last two decades? I think, um, you know, dating back to before I was in the industry, we we passed the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, under then-Governor Reagan. Uh, so that kind of sets the framework for California's environmental movement, um, which really started back in 69 when there was a spill, a blowout in Santa Barbara, and that spawned the first Earth Day. So it's all this yeah. kind of dates back, yeah, in California history. So um, California as an oil state is traditionally, you know, a powerhouse before all these regulations. Um, you've had, you know, in, in World War II, they ramped up production 42% from 1941 to 1945 and powered the United States to victory. And you have fields like the Strategic Naval Petroleum Reserve, which is now Elk Hills. Mm -hmm. um, so you have this rich history. Uh, and at that time, California was producing 12% of the world's oil. So you've got a ton of resource, but over time we've had, you know, CEQA and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but then governor Schwarzenegger signed in AB 32, the global warming solutions act of 2006. And really since that like late nineties, early two thousands timeframe, California production has just been on like a terminal decline. Um, just kind of just chipped away at chipped away at chipped away at. Global war global warming solutions are going to solve global warming. Solve global warming. And if these regulations weren't put into place, how big do you think the, the oil industry in California could be? I, I think we could be producing a million barrels a day. And right now we produce somewhere between 330,000 and 400,000 barrels a day. So about a th triple 30, size. 30 to 40%. Yeah. Of what the potential is. Easy. Yeah. <sighs> easy. And this, and so like, I mean, what you're, what you explain when we first met at a digital wildcatters event, I don't know right. how much we're about to say about that 
allowed to say about right. the particular event, but we met there. I haven't said and, anything about it. And uh, this is mind blowing. Just like the hypocrisy involved mm-hmm. with the policy in California, specifically where everybody wants to uh, scream hysterically about the environment. We're going to fix it. And the way we're going to fix it is by constricting and restricting the, the oil and gas industry within our state, yet demand for oil has only been on the rise right. from Californians over the, over the years. It's they, been pretty, well, It's it's been pretty steady, but that has been at 600 million barrels a year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 1.8 million barrels a, a day mm-hmm. is California's consumption. So you're talking 2% of global consumption is California every day. And that has been steady. The only year it was below 600 million barrels for the year was COVID lockdowns of 20, which Mm -hmm. California had harsh lockdowns, but we still consumed 485 million barrels. So still well over a million barrels a day. And you could provide over half of that in state if you had the political will to actually produce. Yeah, and and you would produce you could do all of it if you included Alaska and and Canada. Easy. It was that way. So in the early 80s, mid 80s, it was 90% California and Alaska supplied and like 5 to 10% foreign crude. So we had that and we just gave it all away. Who do we give it away to? I think this is very important. For for us right now, we're giving it away to, and traditionally, the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Iraq. Uh, Ecuador is California's largest source of crude oil for the last available year and, and been, you know, well over 50 million barrels a year for some time. Um, so you're looking at OPEC nations. Uh, last year, we were all like, whoa, this Russia stuff came out and it was... 15 million barrels of Russian crude hidden in the other category on the pie chart. (laughs) It's like other, other is 9% and like 8% was those 15 million Russian barrels. Oh, we can't use those anymore. No, not anymore. So now they'll go, you know, wherever they'll, they'll sell them to China who will put them in an Ecuadorian tanker and, Sell them to us well, anyway. <laughs> let's get into like the intricacies of that, right? Like, so again, going back to like hystericals, virtue signaling, and LARPing, like oil demand has remained constant to somewhat uh, elevated mm-hmm. over the years. You, there's a political inability or unwillingness, is probably the better word, to uh, produce that domestically, whether it be sourced via California, most of it in state. Mm-hmm. Plus other North American producers mm-hmm. who are also constrained by idiotic policies. But right. <laughs> that gets like, so again, the virtue signalers feel good because the oil industry is getting hindered in mm-hmm. California. They think they're reducing uh, oil production, but they're really just right. allocating it somewhere else where they don't have CEQA. Right. Um, right. Uh, they don't have CEQA regulations, right. which means that the oil is produced in the. A, a much dirtier way, would you say? Oh yeah, the worst way imaginable. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic. And I don't mean to be laughing about it because I do care a lot about the environment. But you know, it's groups like the Center for Biological Diversity that's constantly launching lawsuits in California. It's like, well, how do you feel about the lizards in the Amazon of Ecuador? I mean, we're we're literally on our lease. We count the freaking lizards. 
common lizards and endangered lizards. And it's important to note where. Wait, wait, wait. Why are we count? What do you mean by counting lizards? Like, you send a biologist out before you move an inch of dirt. So if you're making a drilling pad, if you're doing anything, making a road through your lease, you're having a biologist out there to make sure you're not potentially running over a lizard. Um, now it's important for the endangered species, but we're they'll count the common lizards. They're counting everything on your lease. <laughs> and to think that that is happening in the Amazon rainforest where China's operating their oil fields. I mean, really? Like, what is it? What is it? Well, what does a Chinese rainforest oil site look like? Oh, I mean, you can look at, you can, I, I look at it and I post about all this stuff. I guess that's the only reason people know who I am because I'm just like researching what happens in the Amazon because I'm unable to get my own permits. But anyway, so the long story short is the last administration in Ecuador sold them out to China for green projects. Is this Korea? Yes. Okay. And so he took out like 15 billion in Chinese debt, all pegged to oil production. So the only way for him to pay this back is to produce the oil. And they built a green dam and dammed up their number one tourist attraction, the San Rafael waterfall, to make this hydroelectric facility that now is causing constant landslides in that area. And so their oil production can't even stay on pipeline because the pipelines are constantly eroding and spilling oil into these sensitive ecosystems that all these indigenous communities, you know, thrive on. They, they fish from, they drink from. So the Chinese operation comes in and ruins the Amazon for every indigenous Ecuadorian tribe. And California buys that barrel. <laughs> and they feel better about themselves. Yeah. And we feel good about ourselves. And we're buying something like 60 or 70% of everything produced out of Ecuador. And it, so we are the main driver of the, that production. Which is, again, we live in a clown world. We and, do. And, and, and so I think this is indicative of the fact that society at large, particularly here in America, does not understand the concept of opportunity costs. Like the opportunity mm -hmm. cost of not producing a barrel in California mm -hmm. while keeping your demand at the level that it is, is you, you produce in Ecuador. You don't see it, but mm -hmm. uh, it still gets produced and there are consequences. There are costs for right. the production of that barrel. And exactly. That's why I love what you're doing because you're bringing these opportunity costs to the surface, which is right. people just want to LARP and like think, oh, I'm doing good. But it's like, no, you're destroying the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador. You're handing this over to China. Mm -hmm. you're, I mean, so ESG, it, it just destroys every ESG score you can think of. You like ESG. It. Like, <laughs> it destroys the environment. You're supporting a uh, autocratic regime. Uh, and they don't really care about governance. I don't know where the G always trips me up. Right, right. And in. and this is this is how it plays to Texas and everybody else because it's I'm finding I need to start relating this outside of just California. But Ecuador had like the top uh, quantity of immigrants fleeing Ecuador coming through our southern border uh, the last couple of years. They're one of the top destinations. So these people are being driven from their communities and they're coming in with nothing. And it's very sad, but that impacts everybody at the border and wherever they go and, and then are on our social dime 
and our tax dime, you know, just because it's exacerbating and, and, and they don't want to leave. These are indigenous people that have like avoided contact with civilization <laughs> for millennia. Like we're literally, literally driving them to our country needlessly. Yeah. They're supporting the Belt and Road Initiative. Right. Uh, uh, unintentionally. And I'm sure it Kamala's been down there to check that out. She's probably like laughing. She's, like, yeah. <laughs> She's probably had her cackle down there. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, there's oh, there's oil in the river. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk more about that supply chain. So yeah. what happens? So you they extract the oil from the ground in the rainforest, they dam up a dam, mm-hmm. cut down trees, get the oil out, try to pipe it. If they can pipe it, what happens there? They get it to the coast, and then how does it get to uh, the Pacific coast? California. Then it's and then it's tankers, and that's that's a whole that's a whole another can of nasty worms that <laughs> that Gavin Newsom does not want to talk about. They won't even mention tankers in Sacramento because it's, why not? It runs counter to everything they talk about supporting disadvantaged communities. Everything they talk about environmental justice. Everything they they rally on for those communities and for those votes. It it just. They can't, they cannot talk about it because it blows. If, if the people of those communities understood the air they were breathing and why the air is so bad, they wouldn't be voting for, for Gavin Newsom. How do tankers play into this? Well, so, ta- so the port of the port of LA and Long Beach, you've got the number one single source of pollution in Southern California is that port. Mm-hmm. And so these tankers that are coming in as well as the cargo ships, they, it's always engines on. I mean, these ships don't just kind of like come in, turn off, offload and turn on and leave. I mean, these things are, these things are using big, massive boiler systems, diesel engines. These things are running auxiliary systems 24 seven. So, um, not to mention in, in the warm months when these tankers are sitting on our coast, because it's basically floating tanker storage because you're bringing all this product in when they're floating there, that the atmosphere, the heat rises, the gases build up in the tanker. They got to open hatches. They just release whatever's, you know, expanding in that <laughs> tanker. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's really sad. I mean, it's in, and, and, and there, there are health consequences in the LA area. There the are area. exactly. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the, the, if we want to look at true ESG in the environment, upstream oil and gas production folks like me trying to operate in a field in Kern County and put our product on a pipe, the whole upstream industry accounts for 3.6% of California's emissions as a whole. And so the port, now that's carbon, mm-hmm. okay? That's not poisonous to your lungs. <laughs> the port, these ships produce uh, sulfur oxide, nitrogen oxide and particulate matter from all these engines sulfur oxide like if you get enough of it oh yeah they, small proximity will kill you right? yeah, yeah yeah it's it's nasty i mean they it's sad but the 710 freeway there by the port is called asthma alley i mean you've got kids adults everybody asthma cancer all these nasty things because all whether it's shipping containers or these tankers it's all pumping out right on their homes. And so as we are saying, hey, we need to regulate oil production out of the state or manufacturing out of the state or anything, it's all coming back to us on the dirtiest form of transportation that exists. Well, let's lean into that. The demand is still there. Right. What is it about 
It's not only California. It's, it's, it's happening all throughout the United States and the Western world in general. Right. Like, what, what is it about like exporting or relocating all of, all of these manufacturing and extraction activities to another country that makes us think like it, it just never happens. It's just magic. It's that's just, what the, that's, that's their plan. That's their plan. They, they, they point to urban oil fields as these oil fields are poisoning your community. And then the urban oil field will put these crazy air sensors on the fence line and pick up. I had one, one buddy say, yeah, we're picking up a lot of acetone. I'm like, why is it acetone? He's like, yeah, there's a bunch of auto body shops down the road. So they're picking up all the, all the crap in the air in the LA basin, but it's not from the oil field. It's from everything around us or whoever lives in the LA basin and other cities that are, you know, heavy industry cities. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. So, Compared to the operations in Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, how strict are the regulations of California for extracting oil and putting it through a pipeline? What are the differences? Well, like I said, from maybe a, an operator's experience is the best way to put it. We, we started in 2017. My partners and I bootstrapped everything. We took over a lease and just started cleaning it up. It, had some violations from the past operator. So you start fixing up the lease and, and we have a green field. So there, there's only six wells on it. It's basically going to be a brand new development. We're the only ones in California doing it right now. Um, but you start, you know, kind of addressing your day-to-day -day operations. Um, then you're going to have your biologists come out. If you want to drill a well, you're going to have your biologists come out in the spring and the late summer, depending on what species they're trying to monitor. So they're going to look for anything endangered. Uh, so for us, it's a kit fox, a burrowing owl, and a blunt-nosed leopard lizard. Those are the three animals. So we're making sure we're not disrupting that habitat. Um, then for us, as you're looking at the ability to get permits to inject produced water or to uh, inject water for steam, uh, for thermal EOR, which is popular uh, in California because it's a heavy crude. So you have steam mm -hmm. injection for thermal enhanced oil recovery. But anyway, you're looking at all that you're doing water studies. You're, you're sending that to the water board. You're making sure that you're not fouling any of the water table. Um, we've been permitting these things for three years and still haven't gotten approvals. We have a pond, a percolation pond for our produced water that's already built that we've done all the studies on. It's already there and they won't give us the discharge order. So to do it in California, you have to be willing to spend at least five years of your, of your startup phase, not making any money and just surveying everything and making sure you have all your, all your T's crossed, everything ready to go to meet CEQA and meet that standard. So it's everything, air, water, animals, everything. Why would you do this? <laughs> well, because, because like for California, for our lease in particular, we have 560 acres and we've got 60 million barrels in place. So you have very concentrated reserves and a, and a nice prize to go after. So once you're, once you are permitted, um, you know, our plan is to develop and have 6,000 barrels a day of production in this one asset. Oil prices getting close to... Above 100, people calling for 200, 250. That's yeah. a nice little. Yeah, it's huge. Nice little rip there. It's huge. Yeah. And so, so back to like, what does a, 
uh, a million barrels a day in California look like to the community? Kern County, we receive $200 million a year in, in property taxes to Kern County at this level. So if you're producing three times, four times, and you're talking 600 million, 800 million a year to a community that needs it. And how big is Kern County? Gosh, Kern County's, the Bakersfield is now like 300,000 people. Kern County is probably 500,000 people. But Kern County is, I think, the biggest county in the state. Kern County's huge portion of the Central Valley. So you go all the way you know, west from the hills, kind of bordering San Luis Obispo and Paso Robles, all the way kind of to the Sierra Nevada. So you got the whole valley. That's what I was going to say. When you said biggest county, I thought you meant population. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. And it's the, so Kern County produces 70% of the oil in the state and like 70% of the renewables too. So it's both. And it's still in the crosshairs for oil and gas. Is, are you making any headway? In state, do you think? Because <laughs> like, is like California is like somewhat of a laughing stock for anybody who understands like right. energy policies. Like New York and California <laughs> are hilariously enough like the coastal elite yeah. states are getting shit on because like California, right. you guys have all this energy. Uh, you're not only making it hard for people to drill and deliver oil, decommissioning nuclear power plants that are perfectly fine. Right. Um, still importing oil and yet still having brownouts, blackouts, New mm -hmm. York, similarly banned fracking. $7 in the state. gasoline now. $7 <laughs> gas, $8 gas in San Francisco. It's like how, like what, like part of me, me looking in, I'm like, I just want to shake people. Like how, how do you not realize like this is, there's a pretty straightforward order of operations that has led to your, to your, trials and tribulations here. And, right. and yet you have a, again, a political unwillingness to reverse course. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm really optimistic as an operator. So it's got <laughs> all whacked out. Right. Um, it's, are we making progress? Yes. Only because we've been at it for four years, only because we've been doing it. And, and it's kind of feels that way that, you know, we hear, uh, Jen Psaki come up and say, oh, it's not our fault. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, we're working with the water board and the water board ultimately passes one of our permits to the EPA, which is a federal agency. So yeah, you know, it's not this cookie cutter solution. So, uh, and I'm, that's why I'm optimistic because I think this whole mindset is going to get voted out. I think they're clinging to this green movement as you see how much money has been pumped into the sector over the past few years. So they have to like prop it up while maybe they unwind their positions. I don't know. They're going to cling on to it and it's not going to work. And that's why I'm optimistic. Well, how bad, how bad is the idea, the green new deal in this transition? I think it's, I think it's a joke. Where I does it fail? Like, I, like for California, this is, and, and I hate, uh, I don't hate to bring it up, but I, I want, I'm not coming at it. Like California is this, you know, terrible place, but it's, it's, when when these programs aren't managed by a good fiduciary, they just go to shit. And so for us, we've had cap and trade and low carbon fuel standard, which account for 45 cents a gallon at the pump. So consumers are paying half a dollar just for our Green New Deal right now. And where those monies are supposed to go to projects that address 
global warming or whatever they want to talk about. And so they have these scoping plans that come out every four or five years and, and talk about, okay, where do we want to go next? And then you can look back at the budget and see where they spent the money. And they've spent $8 billion of our cap and trade on a high-speed rail that they sold to the public as going from San Diego to the Bay at like $20 billion. And, and that's how it got passed. And there hasn't has ground even been broken. Ground has been broken, but now they're connecting Bakersfield, California to Merced, which nobody does that for for twenty or thirty billion. That's how much that little piece of crap segment's going to cost. And the whole thing is now going to be a hundred billion. And so, the reason I tell you know my Texas buddies, you got to pay attention to this, is because. We're the largest, inf- that, that project is the largest infrastructure project in the country right now. So federal dollars go to that, your money goes to that, and DC's modeling all these policies off of California cap and trade. So $100 billion if, on a rail to nowhere? On a rail to nowhere. That you can get, who doesn't fly Southwest from San Diego to San Francisco? It's like a 55 minute flight. There's no rail fast enough to get me there, even with the TSA pre-check. And, you know, the, I mean, there's, it's, it'd, take, it'd probably take you all day to get there because they're going to stop all day. So yeah. like, it's just asinine. Yeah, it's just again. the projects are terrible. Clown world. It is. Clown world. Well, I learned that from you. You were the first person I heard say <laughs> clown word when we met in November. <laughs> it's true. I like it. I've been using it. it uh, you, I put the little clown emoji sometimes. Yeah, it's effective. It's yeah. effective. Well, that's what like t- talking about like taking back the narrative. I think we need to make fun of just how idiotic these people are. Right. And again, again I, I truly do believe like it's unproductive hysterics. The most important hysterics gets uh, gets it's the most attention, but unproductive. Like these people are not producing anything. No. Except for like regulations and laws and rules that you have to follow. Like you're out right. in the right. field doing the hard work to make sure that right. the, the land is set up properly. And then you're actually doing the drilling, you're doing right. the extraction, you're doing the delivery. Like this is right. hard work that I don't think people realize is necessary to make this modern economy, this right. modern lifestyle that we have today, like functional. And yet... You have people like Elizabeth Warren, uh, who's done nothing but pretend to be a Native American, right. and, and and like hinder. Got her into Harvard, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and and then like people who want to like protest and do all this stuff to feel good, but then they don't do anything on the back end. They're still filling up their tanks. They're still yeah uh, reaping the benefits of oil and gas that's extracted in a much dirtier way. Right. Um, right. And 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 they're their spouses are making money selling, you know, bidding out the work to construction companies or whoever, you know, Nancy Pelosi's husband and, you know, uh, Dianne Feinstein and all these, all these people, dinosaur politicians that have been in office forever are just bidding out the work to their buddies. And that's how it works. I mean, we're seeing it with the Biden, the Hunter Biden deal. I mean, he's out, he's out there working for a gas company. And hey, that's Russian that. disinformation. <laughs> we're going to get taken <laughs> off the air if we talk no, about it. No, I do Actually, we have free airwaves here? Are we in we, free, um, free airspace? Not on YouTube. YouTube, okay. hey. We're, we're not talking about We're that. being good here. I, I could not post an episode on YouTube yesterday because I definitely would have got kicked off. We talked mm. about um, injections. Oh, I don't want to I don't want to get kicked off of YouTube. Yeah, you it's going to go viral. <laughs> you don't know. It's going viral already. There's people. Right? Yeah. There's people tweeting at President Biden right now. Like, you got to watch this. Mike Gumbra's got the energy policy for you. <laughs> the framework. 
I'm working on that. I'm working on that. What's what's it looking like? Buy local. I, I that's like it. That. That's one of your hashtags. Hashtag I, I do it all the time. Yeah, and 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 I think that's the message for the. Uh, ooh. You need one? Okay. Yeah. Let me get that. Yeah. That I think that's the message for um, anybody starting up is building that local feel into your project. And for us, what does that look like? If 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 Gavin Newsom blesses our project and allows us to proceed, you know, just in our little oil field, that's two hundred million dollars spent investing in drilling companies in Taft, California, and service companies in Bakersfield and biologists, you know, throughout the Central Valley, just all these different vendors that come into play. And then you're talking about, you know, over a hundred million in property taxes from our project to the state and 10 million locally and the jobs, the community, it's, it's just everything woven together that, that they want to just say, oh, we'll just transition you you'll just learn another trade or whatever. You're going to learn to code. It's yeah. It's like, dude, I just went to school for, for something. And now you're telling me I can't do that. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Well, that's, you know? that's the one thing that Alex Epstein has really driven home to me is like this whole, uh, what we're going to do with the, the fossil fuel industry is transition yeah. to green energy jobs. Right. And there's not as many, they don't pay as much. No, no. The average, the average worker in California oil fields makes 125 thousand dollars a year and they can be a felon and they can have no diploma no high school degree they can they can just come off the street or out of prison and make one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year and over 50 percent of the workforce is black and brown so tell me how that doesn't align with environmental justice that's probably the social part of the issue. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not socially friendly with the left elites, <laughs> yeah. so so they don't count. Do white people fart more and it's put more methane in the? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The numbers show that the industry yeah. picks, lifts up everybody involved in it. Well, this is this just begins to make me like uh, you always get to the conversation: is it is it incompetence or is it malice? Like, are they literally uh, trying to? make us energy mm -hmm. starved because they want to control us more. Because it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense when you look at it and you, mm -hmm. you logically like, all right, like we're still using the same amount of oil. We're sending it over there. Right. We're impoverishing our local communities. Right. Like people were buying internationally and not local. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to force you to go down that rabbit hole. But for me, it's... No, like, I think it's a valid question. But then my question back is, why don't they just do both? Why don't they just... Why doesn't someone that believes so strongly about the environment say, look, as part of the solution, we need to make our own stuff, whether it's oil or whether it's a car or whatever. We need computer to make it. chips. Yeah, computer chips that we're not going to be able to get soon yeah. <laughs> or whatever. How are we going to build all these cars without any of these semiconductors? I mean, how are we going <laughs> to... Is there enough lithium? That's the other thing. Hey, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. You don't need to pay for gas. Just go buy a Tesla. Mm -hmm. It was poetic. Right. He said that, and then a week later, Tesla's prices went up like boop, boop, boop. 10%. Just, just like ten grand, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, just yeah. go buy a seventy thousand dollar car. Yeah, poor. Yeah, most most people are probably buying ten thousand dollar used vehicles, <laughs> and, and they just bump their price up ten grand. And Wait. we're going to tell everybody to go do that. Well, I, re I retweeted something from you today that you you have EV bros coming at you. Oh, yeah. usually what 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 is there? No, I don't. I don't really. I I like to tease about that. I okay. I kind of I think I make a 
fictional fight about the EV oh, <laughs> stuff in my no, but I love to drive by the charging stations and like they're empty. And it just goes to show the people buying Teslas are I hate to break it to the politicians, are not the disadvantaged communities. No. They're I don't even, you know, think there's one. I mean, it's not happening. No, you should, I mean, you should see the houses that have Teslas in the driveway here in Austin, Texas. So. They're nice houses. They're very nice houses. Yes. Yeah. And then they got, they got like the Ford Bronco in the garage yes. and they got, you know, the, the, the Yukon in the other garage and the Tesla something that you drive locally, you know, to your office for your other buddies that bought Teslas and they're like, oh man, I bought a Tesla. Okay, cool. It's a cool car. It's a cool car. It's not a. It's not solving any climate crisis. It's cheap though, right? It's cheap material. I don't like driving. Yeah, it's very cheap, cheap material. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I told this story actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was in Whole Foods parking lot with my wife, and my child. Luckily, I had my child tight in my arms, but uh, <laughs> witnessed uh, a Toyota Prius and a Tesla opposite sides of the lane not seeing each other back up, ran Ooh. into each other. Toyota Prius looked fine. Tesla crumbled. Like, crumbled. Yeah. Crumbled. Not high quality materials you're making there. Elon. No. No, I have a buddy that it, he, he's he's a car guy and he's had all the high-end stuff. And he, that's the first thing he said when he got one because he got one to try it out, which is what a lot of wealthy people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's driving a lot of the sales. And he's like, it's cheap material. It's not, it's not that nice. And, yeah. You know, I draw, I just didn't like that you can't just cruise. Like when you take your foot off the gas, it just stops. Oh, really? There's no cruising. It's like a golf cart? There's no cruising. It's a golf cart. There's no cruise. I could never drive one. I drove it and I'm like, I can never do this. The second I like try to coast into a red light, it, it just dies. And now you got to like push on the gas to get up. <laughs> I've never driven one. I would never. It's not a fun drive for me. I like the feel of the engine under the, yeah. Yeah. Under the metal there. Yeah. But and then are they environmentally friendly? If that is even like, that's the other thing, like the language around this, what is renewable? What right. is green? Right. What is sustainable? Right. Like, and from what I'm told, I want to start researching this, but they're one of the larger producers of hazardous waste in California because manufacturing uses a lot of water and you're using metals and that gets in the water and you're producing a ton of hazardous waste. And from what I'm told, they take it down east of Tijuana for recycling. Ah, they just dump it in Mexico. That's where they just dump it in Mexico. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And then it probably got, you know, it's that's probably what's happening in the Tijuana, you know, sewage line that spits out south of Coronado and all our Navy SEALs get to swim in poo. Ah. And we can't fix the poo that our Navy SEALs swim in, but we can, you know, mandate oil out of the state. Mandate. Or whatever, fill in the blank. And uh, electric vehicle yeah. fleet by 2026. Like yeah. how, again, going back to like dates and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. How, like, oh, we're going to be net zero by 2040. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? What isn't? Again, words are important. Definitions are important. Right. What is renewable? What is green? What is sustainable? Net zero means there's no humans. All right. Right. <laughs> we produce carbon. Yeah. That's right. And and the vehicle thing, if you if you look at the numbers, can you transition? No, you can't. You look at the sales data from the California auto dealers, 64% of the vehicles sold last year were SUVs, trucks, and vans. So there's still a majority of huge vehicles being bought. And I think 10% were were fully electric. 
which was the uh, the highest. So it's growing, but still, if you're only selling ten percent EVs every year, how does that ever transition? Well, then you think like, is there enough lithium to meet the demand? Yeah, and how much not only the do US... you need to get it? Yeah, so let's talk <laughs> about that. Like, what? So that's the thing that, that irks me about the the green movement, EVs, whether it be electric vehicles, solar panels, mm-hmm. wind turbines, hydroelectric electric dams, people look at the end product, the Tesla in the charging station, the the solar panel in the middle of the desert, the wind turbine mm-hmm. in the field. And they say, oh, look, that's clean. It's not producing anything. But everything that came before that and on the back end of its life is not talked about. Right. At all. And it's pretty important. It's totally important. And nobody talks about that. And and it's needed it whether you're mining in Africa or whether you're I did a video the other week just down on a trail below my house. They're doing some lagoon restoration. And it's like big ass equipment. I mean, you got you got excavators, you got reach lifts, you got dozers, you got dump trucks, you got all this stuff just to, you know, even prepare for a climate catastrophe, <laughs> you need a lot of diesel. So if you're going to prepare our coastal communities, how are you going to do it without yellow iron that's building seawalls or whatever it is? And it that's the thing that's just so silly. It's like, well, we need both. Like there's no getting around that. And so you want to buy it from, you know, whoever in China or you want to buy it from me. Like buy local. Buy local. Buy local. But they want to end you. They want to end me. They really do. They want to end me. Yeah. I think they want to end all of us. I think, I, they do. I think they're Malthusians. They so. do. They know that there's some young blood coming up, ready to, <laughs> ready to get ours, and they're not going to live forever. So No, they're not. That's the other thing. You're so old. Just go die. <laughs> Peacefully. Peacefully. In your sleep. Of your own In accord. Your sleep. Yeah. But it's like, honestly, like we have this golden opportunity here to... We have so much. Like, look, look, we're streaming on the internet. We got lights here. We got mics. Mm-hmm. We've come so far. And we're, I feel like we're just being held back by a bunch of people. Who, again, we're unproductive. Never really done anything, right? In the real world, in their whole lives. Yeah, and don't need to be doing this. They can get what they want, and we can get what we want. That's. The, I think that's the most frustrating part. Is we can all get ours if you just let us. They want the adrenochrome, dude. The what? The <laughs> <laughs> That's some. That a whole other deal. That's a whole nother. Okay. It's children's blood. Oh. <laughs> Car, I'm sorry. I see that's you shaking gnarly. your head over there. That's gnarly stuff on the radio. I'm sorry, it? dude. I like that you're saying. Maybe we'll be on serious one day, Car. Yeah. No, but it's... Yeah. What is the solution? You're thinking of a new energy policy. What What do we need to do? Buy locals, one part. I like, think we I think we need I think we need the politicians to level with the public. I think that has to be a part of it and I don't know that they're going to do that. So I think it falls apart first. I think it's like we get to some crazy number, $10 gasoline, 12, maybe 15, I don't know. Um but I think the policy has to say, "Hey, you know, this this zero stuff is not achievable." I mean, we can't even get a guy to no, it's no. not achievable. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense either. I guess I'm playing the game too much then. I'm I'm playing along with That's, it too see, much. See, this is where Bitcoiners come in. We just say... <laughs> end it. Yeah. We've, I mean, we've been playing this game for like over a decade now where people are like, you're dumb, you're stupid. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? No. What you're doing makes no fucking sense. Right. And that's the beauty of Bitcoin. It's giving people 
fuck you money, not in the sense that like they're exceedingly rich. Obviously, it's made a lot of people exceedingly rich, but they literally can't stop our Bitcoin accounts. They can't stop right. our private keys. Right. And so we can still move money and allocate money. They can't like freeze our bank accounts like Justin Trudeau. Right. Or the US government freezing mm-hmm. Vladimir Putin. It's like, hey, we're going to invest our capital in what we think and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And, and, and maybe I've even mentioned that I'm like, maybe operators just say, we're going to drill our wells without a permit and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And I'm going to, if oil's expensive enough, I'll find somewhere to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll set up, a, someone will set up a teapot refinery somewhere. This is what I'll be selling little, little barrels to your teapot refinery, you know, pumping out yeah. asphalt and diesel. What is the potential for like a, a mass protest in the oil and gas industry? Like that, uh, that's what I feel like. It, that's, so that's the thing that's su- surprised me. I don't want to say it's pissed me off, but it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, like you guys, oil and gas, the oil man, big, strong. Right. Yeah. Wrapping the the yeah. chain around the rig and absolutely like you're like everybody's like oh we're gonna sell we're gonna sell a, a an ESG certified premium natural gas to market right. like a five percent right. right. so stop playing within their framework like you are the basis right. of our economy exactly. without you producing the energy we cannot do any of this you have right. all the leverage right fuck right. these people e- ESG is such a ridiculous notion because it's like if if and when we get our permits, I'm CEQA compliant. Show me another barrel of oil that compl- If I'm meeting CEQA, I don't need an ESG program. I'm paying people proper wages. I'm not like, I'm allowing women to drive. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Why would you do that? I'm not flaring gas. I'm not doing anything that all the countries that we get this product from are doing. I don't need another program on top of that. It's garbage. It's added cost. It's, it's added, added compliance. Cost. It's oh. It is. And people, it's just going to take time for all these college students that think they know everything. They're going to, they're going to have babies eventually. And they're going to realize, wow, I got to spend money on stuff. And it's not just all for me. And I got to spend money on other people. And, you know, it's, it, every dollar counts and, you know, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Someone who's got their second kid arriving soon. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. I got three. I got, it's, it's. Crazy. What's the difference between one and two? Uh, one and two is way, way bigger of a thing than two to three. Okay. Two to three is like, ah, oh, whatever. No, no, no. One to two. Yeah, you're in for some stress. Okay. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. No, I'm it's pumped. Good. I'm sure. I'm sure. I haven't met your wife, but I'm sure you guys make a good team. You got, you know. Maybe you'll meet her tonight. Going. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can, you'll meet her tonight. <laughs> We're, uh, no, it's it'll be good. No, it, but it's... Yeah, well, well, that's a, what I wanted to bring back, Bitcoin. Like, mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, these kids with these college degrees. I So one of the most common phrases that we say on this podcast is fix the money, fix the world. Mm-hmm. I, like We've already described how fucked up the energy industry is and yeah. energy policy in America is particularly. But I think it's a derivative of fucked up monetary policy where, mm-hmm. and so is the college a student with a degree that they want to go do something with that they can't and they want a virtue signal about right. it. Like that does not exist if you have cheap money. If you have mm-hmm. money ex nihilo, if you're just able to go to the government and say, I want a, a loan to go to college for mm-hmm. 200 grand and print money here, here, right. pay me back. Like, right. That doesn't happen. Like you, People actually have to learn right. the cost of things. They don't just right. get handed things. In the energy industry too, subsidies. Maybe that's a rabbit hole. What subsidies? Out. There's no subsidies. <laughs> subsidies do not exist. I don't understand what people are saying about subsidies to oil and gas. I don't know. I don't know of any. I would love some subsidies. Well, that's a big. So I, that's something that always trusts me on, on Twitter. 
I believe there are subsidies in the wind and solar industry though, right? Oh, we, solar pays no taxes. So solar, when they put the solar array back, you know, on the, on the field or wherever it is in California, they don't step up the value based on the infrastructure you put on the ground. So it's, it stays at the same value of just dirt in the desert. So they pay no, solar paid like 1.8 million in property taxes the last year the data was reported. And in California? Gas, or? In, in Kern County and, and oil and gas was 200 million. That, and that's the best way to look. Kern County is the bulk of, of California's energy production. 70% of the energy produced in California comes out of that one county. So again, that's the one thing I get tripped on Twitter. I'm like, there's so many... Like people are like, oh, wind and solar is cheaper than oil and gas. I'm like, well, there's like subsidies and that could be contributing to the low price of the subsidies weren't there. All things held equal. Yeah. Probably not cheaper. And they're like, oil and gas gets way more subsidies. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. No, there's no subsidies. There's none. The only thing we get are in, intangible drilling costs. So that's like your capital expenses to drill a well. Which is, which is like what you do capital expenses for any kind of development. I mean, it's. The tax code. It's been in the tax code for a hundred years. Everybody talks about. It. Everybody gets it. It's just called something different. It's IDCs in oil and gas, and it's called something different for whatever everybody else does. It's capital expense. It's no. There's no subsidy. I'm not getting anything to produce my barrel. I'm spending a shitload of money to produce my barrel right now, but I'm not getting a damn thing from from the state or the federal government. Except asked to buy uh, carbon credits. Yeah, yeah. If you get big or enough, yeah. Renewable energy credits. So this here's the, here's a crazy thing on that, for, to, a geeky operator thing. So for thermal EOR, you're going to put a steam generator out on your site to pump steam down hole to mm -hmm. improve your production. So the minute you put a steam generator out there, your carbon intensity goes up. And I said, well, and we have, you know, boatloads of environmental consultants. I asked, you know, the air guy or whoever the right guy was. I said, well, what if I'm capturing the flue gas from my steam generator and pumping that downhole and I'm emitting nothing? It doesn't matter. It's a steam generator. I'm like, so wait, they don't count it they don't look don't, at the details. You don't actually track the carbon. They get nothing nothing. And 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 the carbon intensity op G model comes from Stanford. It's a model from Stanford. Great. Cool. Models. A model. A model from a laboratory. And one of their big funders is Saudi Aramco. Ah. Go figure. They're funding California's carbon there's intensity scores. There's no Saudi Aramco. There's no conflict of interest yeah. or perverse it's incentives there. It's such a shit show. Clown world. Clown world is Clown right. world. We need to get away from models, freaks. There's the models, models, models. That was like one thing. People, people are obsessed with models. I'm like, fucking throw out the models. Mm -hmm. Are models exactly. good at all? Maybe. Maybe like if you're trying to like project cash flow and like benchmark yourself year right. on year as you're like growing your company, that might be the extent of the benefit of a model. Right. When it comes to like global warming. The spread of a virus. The, any of it. Any of it. it. Like for us, pr production. Our our CEO, Jim, is a 37-year Chevron EOR, Enhanced Oil Recovery, steam guru. Probably the world's foremost expert on steam. I'm like, so what's our production going to be? That gives us a forecast. I'm like, oh, nice. How, you know, and, and he even says, it's like, well, we're going to know what the geology is on the last well we drill. 
in the field. And we're going to know what the production is when we hit peep production. That's when we're going to know. You know when you know. You know when you know. The model is just a little guideline. What is it? Uh, it's Schrodinger's production. Like it yeah. is there or it isn't. You don't know until it's realized. Like exactly. The whole goddamn model industry is another, yeah, product of this fiat scam that we're right. living in. So and he so he's an honest modeler because it's like when you ask him questions, like I don't know. This is what the model shows, but that doesn't mean shit. It. Yeah. But people base their whole oh their, their lives companies, their lives. Their stop looking at the models, freaks get us into so much trouble and they just bog us down think how much time is wasted how much potential economic value is wasted how much right like human intellectual capital is wasted by just being forced to focus on these models these mm-hmm. uh, climate change whatever it may be right like, it's too academic it's, it's not real world no again too much cheap money for these stupid degrees to make models dude <laughs> It's true. I mean, I've 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 done some degrees at some expensive universities, but I haven't gone in thinking that my mind is going to somehow be like $400,000 smarter. I've I've done it more for the personal experience and knowing that the value of that degree is tied to how I maximize it through the relationships, not so you- what someone's teaching me the experience like partying at college and yeah college was partying mm-hmm. i decided undergrad at pepperdine which is like Ooh, beach volleyball yeah it was life was good at 18 to 21 for mike <laughs> <laughs> my mom wanted me to go to pepperdine actually. oh it was brad i was like mom yeah. you don't want me to go to but my, my mom saved a, a message from the answering machine that i called like my first week of orientation talking about how hot all the babes were <laughs> so she's like has this same like oh man please don't play this tape <laughs> mike miss mrs umra if you're out there please please send the tapes to TFGC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was, but then I, I went back. So I went back, I studied energy business at University of Tulsa. And that was a really good degree for me because I had a finance background and there were, you know, engineers, geologists, and all these other folks. Now I don't, can't speak for them because it, it was not a super technical degree, but it was more kind of energy business. And I, I did learn a lot there. And that, there they taught what's called stabilization wedges on climate. And you'll find this on like, in like, I think OU does this. Um, and a couple other. So wedges. it's like they take these chunks of emissions in certain sectors and they're like, okay, we need to take out a wedge, not zero, but we need to like take out a wedge of carbon out of the atmosphere. How do we do that? And it's, it's way less driven towards this zero concept and much more. Practical, kind of, yeah, like yeah. eliminating flare via Bitcoin mining eliminating or something flare, like that. Exactly, but like flare is not even that big of a problem in, in, grand in California. There's none. Yeah, but the, well, they report none. There are flares, which I don't know how they report none, but there's you see them. Sometimes. Maybe they buy carbon credits. And Probably it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> carbon credits. Oxy's that's Oxy's game right there. The, the accidental. Credits. Yeah. What? <sighs> yeah. Again, just leading people. Down, dumb pass where they're wasting capital. What is the carbon credit game, and how does it it's, waste intellectual and financial capital? It's it's really silly. Um, 
I it's very complicated and mm-hmm. and I don't I don't even fully understand. And that's what like that's what pisses me off because yeah. it's very complicated which creates a barrier to entry for people like yourself not saying yeah. that you don't know how to operate it, but like yeah. smaller players right. it, breaking it, in. Yeah. It's a, it's like essentially a compliance cost that mm-hmm. uh, creates a moat for bigger players. Yeah. Allow them to profit more like again right. uh, government intervention like Picking winners and losers essentially at the end right. of the day. Who has the capital can hire the people to figure out how to play this complicated exactly. game. Exactly. And for me, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't work at Oxy. People in the industry that w- do work there couldn't say this, but from my perspective, Oxy was a California company. They spun off all their assets into CRC, loaded them with debt. CRC went through a bankruptcy and Oxy's out in the Permian. They buy Anadarko. They're a great operator out there, but. I don't give a shit about their carbon credits. Why don't you go abandon all your idle wells that you left behind in California to improve these negative talking points that the industry gets hit with? You know, idle wells have nothing to do with me as a tiny operator you know, with no idle wells. But Oxy, who leaves 8,000 of them in California, then just like, peace out, California. <laughs> CRC, you go bankrupt. I'll go here. And it's like now they're getting credit for these carbon credits you know, in 45Q and sequestration. I mean, they're doing CO2 floods to enhance oil recovery. That shouldn't be a credit. They're doing, so they're pumping They're pumping CO2, CO2 to enhance to get, the oil recovery. So it's CO2 EOR. So they're, yeah. they're making more oil with this CO2 process and they're getting credits for sequestration and they're able to participate in- and Who do they trading. sell, like who buys these credits? I read an article. Why would you ever it? cuck your... Like, that's the thing. So it's why I become so passionate about this. Right. I got dragged into the oil and gas industry. <laughs> by Bitcoin. By Bitcoin mining. I was like... Yeah. And God, I was like, yeah, we need cheap energy. Like, yeah. oh, these flare stacks. We'll buy your... Some, uh, the beginning, they were giving... Like, oil was doing so well, they were giving us the gas. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. What was that? Like 17, 18? Uh, like beginning of 19 as well. 19, um, yeah. So it's still good in 19. Yeah. You get free Well, gas. they wanted to drill and they were like, we don't, we got to do something with this gas. Right. North Dakota, they have very strict flaring regulations. Yeah, yeah. They're like, just take it. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, as you get further down the path of like figuring out carbon credits, I'm like, what the fuck are you people doing over it's here? It's a joke. What are you doing over here? We don't need all these trading schemes. The only no. people that get money out of these trading schemes are the big companies the, that trade the credits yeah. and the traders. That's it. And then it's like, for Bitcoin, so like what like Bitcoin miners like we're gonna start buying carbon credits like to prove that like Bitcoin mining is green because we need to prove that Bitcoin like mining does not destroy the environment. It's like motherfuckers, you're buying electricity. If you buy right. the electricity, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Right. People are charging dildos right. all across the country. Right. Right. Now. right. Or I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I don't think you mas- should masturbate, <laughs> but you're not gonna see me. Going and saying, no, you can't charge your dildo. Okay. Right. <laughs> if somebody, if you're buying the electricity, that's you can, one way to put <laughs> Yes. It's, again, it's moral relativism. Right. Like that's, right. you want to drive that point home. Exactly. You got to, you got to make it relatable yes. to people. Yes. With their dildos that they're trying to charge. You sick. <laughs> stop masturbating, freaks. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, that's, again, clown world. You have it to, is. you have to paint the hypocritical picture for these people. It's like it's how clown world. Or like if if a, if a devout Catholic or Muslim thinks that masturbation is wrong and a sin against God or Allah, uh, yet they live in a society where we can all live together, uh, and they're not 
uh, trying to prevent you from buying electricity to charge your dildo. Right. A, you can't come to a Bitcoin miner and say, like, we don't like Bitcoin. We use a lot of energy. Uh, we don't think you should be able to buy electricity and, and, and create hashes with a machine like this. It's, it's yeah. just... And in California, it's going to cost you at least like 24 cents plus a kilowatt yeah, hour to charge it up. So you, know, you can't be charging it in California. It's an, expen an expensive get off right there. Yeah, you don't want to the, uh, do that in California. <laughs> it's expensive out here. But it's like, you know, like the Bitcoin mining industry started going down this path of, oh, we're going to buy a car. Like we need to just like tell everybody that we're good. We're good. We're good. I'm like, stop bending the knee these unpredictable yeah. hysterics right and then like i get like dragged into oil and gas too and like i'm like you guys are doing the same like we just need right. to stop the madness right right and we could right. do like and that's a, i've but many people agree with me in the space but there are other people who are like you are you hate the environment you're no. just like a pro oil shill it's no. like i'm not i'm a surfer i was telling you this when we were right. at the digital like i love the ocean i'm that asshole that cleans up the beaches when I'm walking right. off. I yell at people if you right. litter on the beach. Right. I like to be as efficient as possible with what I'm doing. I don't right. turn my air conditioner on until I absolutely need to. I'm exactly. Like, 68. Hey. Set it to 68 or whatever 68? the guideline is. Is that too low? That's too low. 70. <laughs> 68 my heat. Is that is that okay? Oh, 60, oh 68 heat is good. Cold. Yeah. Babies if they're cold. Yeah. Wake up and then I got to wake up. I yeah. need 68 at night. 68. This is like the... Uh, <laughs> This is like the curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> Looking at 80, Larry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We just need, we need common sense. It, it, it needs to be a curb your enthusiasm. I right. mean, it needs to be. So uh, last week I had, um, I, I always try to get people to come to Bakersfield with me because it's like I drive up from San Diego at four in the morning and I never have, I got my buddies up there, but I want outsiders to come experience it. So I happen to have two, uh, a college buddy, and his partner, they sell uh, industrial steam equipment outside the oil patch. They came up and then two buddies that own a spill containment company in Oceanside. I'm like, you guys come up too because my buddies are coming up. And they drove out to our lease and they were like, you can't get permits out here. Are you fucking kidding me? Like out here? The pictures you that you post, permit? you got like cows in the background. Yeah, and they munch the grass. When we, when, when we grow anything, it's rare. We get less than six inches of rain out there. But we have to take people to these sites, I think, and show them like, this is desolate. This is where you want to be operating. It's this is where it happens. Like there's home, there's homes an hour that way to Baker into town, and not over here. You know what? They're not going to hop, hop on a flight to Guayaquil and no. get out and go to the rainforest and be like, oh, no. this is where we're getting oil. This is probably not where we should be getting it from. No. There's so many trees you need to cut down. Like nobody's doing. That. No, no. I want to do a flyover in Ecuador. Someone needs to get a plane, and we need to see all this like watershed wash out landslides and destruction yeah they don't show us that and the people of ecuador are very nice people i actually worked at a company that was based in ecuador in quito that's oh, why i know guayaquil that's why i know correa was president oh, nice. you're like oh you're marty's just you're a on man it. it's yeah. like no i yeah, i mean i like to think i'm learning that but mm -hmm. the uh yeah it, it's like like guayaquil is like in the mountainous region mm -hmm. um yeah it's like like very farmland focused and if people like, and you have China just using the Belt and Road Initiative mm -hmm. to come in, basically IMF, like yeah, right, like IMF Ecuador right. in the Chinese way, yeah, and like take their land and their yep. resources. You don't want to support that. No, you do not want buy to buy local. Buy local. 
And well, and now, you know, China's a big, a big JV partner in Iraq because, so you get BP stepping out of these oh. big plays and then China's like, oh, well, well, that's good oil. We'll buy that. There's not enough steroids in the world to get Joe Biden to make it to a flight over to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so she's like, all right, I'm going to come. He really got to juice him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crap his pants in that heat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you would, I mean, oh man, is he even alive? Who knows? <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> He's Bernie. Yeah. Weekend at Bernie. Oh, with, it's just pure CGI. Has anybody seen him? <laughs> Has anybody physically seen him? Is there a freak out there who's physically seen him outside of a TV? I want to know. I'm kidding. But seriously, you have yeah. Xi going over to Saudi Arabia. He's like, hey. Well, and they're doing deals over there. Yeah. So what happens if China says, you know what? Saudi, Iraq, Ecuador, we don't want to sell any of that crude to California if we got in a dispute. So now that's that's what? Half our half our oil is gone. A million barrels is gone every day. We're fucked. Done. Now I don't know if they can do that because we're buying all their garbage on these container ships that come in every day and just sit there. What do you mean garbage? Well, whatever plastic toys they're Uh, all the all the all the imports we buy from them. You know, if we we can't turn them off, so I don't know if they could turn off our oil. No, we're pretty. It's like a symbiotic relationship. We're we're sort of dependent. We're in bed at this point. Yeah, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, virtue signaling, land of the free. What we like to buy ourselves from people who have internment camps. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like like the United States and China had a baby, and her name's Greta. It's <laughs> like the mix of it. Like that the whole generation, like we're they're all screwed. Like they're in this marriage that's gonna happen forever. Well, they're all very, very confused. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. And we've been again, I think it all goes back to the money. We've been completely disconnected from reality. Yeah. Where we live in a clown world where it's like, like nothing makes sense anymore. Like, no. Well, I think we can make sense of things, but like people speaking from a policy perspective or in the mainstream, like they don't simply make any sense. So you mentioned in the beginning, like the permitting stuff, Mm -hmm. there's 9,000 permits out there that are being used. Not using them. Yeah. Like why? Like, so people take that line from Jen Psaki and Joe Biden. They're like, Oh, you guys have 9,000 permits that you're not using. Like why is that an idiotic statement to the layman right. out there? And there's, sev- there's so many reasons. I mean, if you're like, like EOG's always permitting ahead on federal land. I mean, you're permitting ahead on these projects and then I'm... So I'm, what is permitting? I guess we'll start there. So permitting um, generally is, you know, saying, hey, we're going to put a drilling pad here. So for us, we're permitting that site and the construction of that site. And then you're getting a permit. And for us, it's filing a notice of intent to drill, an NOI to drill. And then your state agency is saying, okay, you know, here's your permit. You have your permit. Um, we operate on private land, so nothing federal. I don't know much about how the federal permitting process goes. People, but I, the people in Wyoming do, I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine they're permitting ahead. They're, they're looking at their acreage position. They're saying, hey, we'd like to drill this many wells. This is where we're going to permit these things. And... Whether or not they drill them that year, I mean, they might not even get to some of these permits for a few years, but they're just permitting ahead of the project. Just so, in case. So you, I could see how she could inflate that number and be like, oh, there's 9,000 of these things. And it's like, well, it's like the drilled but uncompleted, the ducks. You know, they were kind of still working off 
uncompleted inventory from well, I think know, it's fourteen fifteen and the market craps and you got all these ducks. Well, I think it's important to also highlight like the uncertainty. Yeah, that comes with these permits. Like just because yeah. you have nine thousand permits doesn't mean you have nine thousand potential wells producing oil that right is able to get to market or is even there. The yeah, exactly. Place. It's like it's like back to we're going to know the geology on the last well we drill. Well, what if you permit you know ten wells and the first one you drill is like oh man there ain't shit here. So maybe all those ten go away, but they're still on the books or to Jen Saki or who you know an outsider looking at the permits, but it's, it doesn't mean they're viable wells or projects. No. Um, and there's, there's a lot of, there's so many nuances to oil and gas. And that's the frustrating part when you see these politicians talk about it. It's like, there's so much nuance to this. There's so every state, like Texas has the railroad commission, mm -hmm. which is elected. We have Cal Jim, which was renamed when Newsom came in, the guy got fired and Newsom puts his guy in. And says, don't permit anything. So we start our project before all this. And so you, it varies so wildly from state to, to state how all this is set up. Yeah, you have different flaring regulations. North Dakota, mm -hmm. Colorado, mm -hmm. stricter than most. Um, California, probably California, the strictest. Probably the strictest, which is like, well, so wouldn't you want to produce more from the tightest rate what's the point what's the point of a, a sequel or any environmental legislation if you don't encourage production from that region right like oh we got the best laws but can't do it here <laughs> it's so stupid it's pure bureaucracy it so, is yeah, we're just gonna it is collect taxes and pay these people right to permit stuff that never gets built yeah and we the operators pay the taxpayers don't pay for calgem we the operators pay their salaries and they always need more positions filled, but somehow they do less and less work and less and less permitting every year because. Well, that's what I was saying. Why would you ever do this? Why, like, personally, like, what made you I, want to be like an oil man? There's something about being a, like really developing an oil project that, like, once you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And I've asked my buddies who have who have done it, like, what does that feel like? Like, what is that feeling? They're like, it's the best fucking feeling in the world. Like when you're welcome. It's just, it's, it's one of those industries where it's like, it, there's romance about the idea of like, I can pull out energy from the ground that is just so powerful. Like for us to know that our product is going to go to local end uses, no matter what, every barrel of oil produced in California is consumed in California. Like it's the definition of buy local. So I think there's that part of it for me. That's just like, I know this is the best thing. So I can't do anything else. It's like a weird. No, I, I know exactly. <laughs> it's, is it Bitcoin? Am I like the Bitcoin? Like so, the yeah. mirror image of Bitcoin no, is California oil. I wasn't even going to pull, <laughs> I wasn't even going to call pull Bitcoin into it, but you can like, I, that's what I love mining. Because mining really drives home the the value prop of Bitcoin, the fact that yeah. it's permissionless, that it's this machine here produced hashes that probabilistically allow me to potentially add a block of transactions and contribute to the distributed network. Like nothing, these machines really drive that point home. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it's just like Bitcoin aside, like you have a connection to the earth and to yeah. things that matter. Like, right. Being able to turn these fucking lights on, this mic right. on, right. does not happen without people like you right. actually pulling shit out of the ground right. that combusts and right. creates electricity exactly. to do all this. Yeah. When I die, cremate me and pump me down hole. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but we're, we, and <laughs> that was weird. Um, so, I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, but you meant, you mentioned something that's interesting about, you know, kind of the earth and the, and the energy and the opportunity. Like for us, all of this conversation, you know, is great. And, but we still are trying to create a zero emission environment on our lease, even, you know, because it, you can do things better. So we're looking at integrating technology to basically create a geothermal battery effect in our reservoir. And I think oh, oil and gas operators are going to crack that code before we see like these massive solid state lead batteries or whatever they're trying to do at utility scale. I think we're going to figure out how to harness it from the earth before ripping all the earth out. What's the idea behind it? So, I mean, high level and I'm not an engineer, um, but you're, you're taking uh, a solar array to heat water and then you're, you're flooding your reservoir with that hot water and then you're producing oil and heat and you can spin a turbine at surface with, with the heat you're producing and you can produce oil. So you have a symbiotic solar and yeah. oil relationship. Here. Yeah. And, and you, it's, it's, it's the marriage of geothermal and oil and gas and solar. Yeah. All coming together. It'll all come together. <sighs> and there's, a, there's other people working on this. This is not like, uh, you know, uh, a premier. New, it's not premier. It's not us, premier resource management. It's not, it's, it's essentially off the shelf technology, but you have to have the engineers. And this is where it's silly that you're trying to get people out of an industry. This is where you have the engineers that have been in it for 35, 40 years that understand thermal dynamics and understand how rock heats up and how that happens down hole stuff that like you got, you spend four decades learning this stuff at she, all these people, you know, at Chevron, Shell, hey, Texaco, wherever they were. The sociology major is here to tell you that you're bad. I'm you're, bad. You're gonna, you gotta go. I gotta go. Kick out all those fucking oh, jobs. Oh, right. Yeah. Kick them out. Kick them out. Reload. Yeah. With no experience. And you wake up 10 years and a whole generation of knowledge has been gone. Gone. Yeah. What did Freud think, though? Is he going to help you uh, figure out these hard engineering products? <laughs> no, problems, yeah, I don't, excuse me? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think <sighs> I'm, I tell my, I'm like, I'm 38. I'm, like, I'm not stopping. So like, I got to suck it all out of you. You know, my partners are 62. <laughs> I've learned more in the past five years than I have in any school or anything working with my partners who are a reservoir engineer and a petroleum engineer and just, have been in it their whole life. And to think that you want to lose talent. Knowledge. Yeah. Even younger than that, you know, the, the, the 45 to 60 range that is really minimal in oil and gas because the eighties were a shitty time. So you have, you do have a talent gap already in oil and gas, but the idea that you want to lose all that engineering expertise and then try to start over on these pipe dreams is silly. It's very silly. And all this, what gets lost in all this too, and again, people think I'm just some anti-wind, solar, renewable guy, because I will shit on the front end of the, and the back end of those supply chains just because I want people to recognize the trade-offs and the intricacies of it. But there, there is like, last week we had a big event here uh, in the Bitcoin Commons and we had people like the, Texas does seem to make a lot of sense for wind and solar uh, mm -hmm. in West Texas where right. it does make sense and there is a mix but it's like the mix you can't just go all wind all solar everywhere which is what no. this Green New Deal movement seems to think is possible right. 
And if the climate's changing, how do we know where it's going to be windy in 20 years? Yeah. How do we know where it's going to be sunny in 20 years? How do we know any of that? Yeah, you if can't. it's changing so rapidly. <laughs> it's, it's like... If is the biggest word there. Yeah. And, and, and I think broadly, the energy demand pie is growing. So even everything can grow. It's going to continue. There's 8 yeah. billion people right. on the planet. And yeah. like how racist and regressive are these policies too? Like, it's hey, awful. we got here. We have iPhones. <laughs> we have Teslas. We have lights and streaming technology. But you people in Sub-Saharan Africa, South America, yeah, you can't catch up to us. No. You can't. You're going to try and use your oil to create industry get the no. fuck out of here we're, ki- we're but we're giving their children jobs digging the cobalt out oh yes jobs cancer jobs jobs cancer they don't pay anything but they <laughs> they're working <laughs> they are they're certainly working they're working hard <sighs> it's brutal <laughs> but that and 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 the, the development is happening they are taking their oil and i mean we, i see that in the data guiana is the next spot that we're Exxon's doing a lot of offshore exploration in Guyana. So now we're going to... Guyana or Ghana? Guyana. Where's Guyana? Guyana on the, on the like uh, east side of uh, South America on the, on the northern east side okay. there above Brazil kind of. Okay. There's a lot of oil in that Brazil. All around that horn, whatever you want to call it, of Latin America, South America, is, it's a lot of heavy oil. And that's what needs to come to market. So you, we're basically going to tear up all these pristine ecosystems around that horn to pull it into California. Because Becky down the block is the <laughs> virtue signal. Becky. Yeah. Be- Becky. Yeah. She drives a Tesla. <laughs> and the kids go in the Yukon to practice. Yes. But she drives the Tesla to the grocery store. They don't have a suburban-style Tesla yet, okay? <laughs> It's oh my god! It's coming, isn't that that big truck? That big like paperweight truck? That thing's never coming. They already pushed back production by a year. Oh, did they? And that ball bearing went right through the window. That was (laughs) probably the worst product uh, product reveal of all time. Yeah. Hey, this window's unbreakable. Let me break it real quick. I I've seen two Rivians. What are Rivians? Jokes. The trucks, the EV trucks that are $80,000 or whatever. Is it like the Ford? They're tiny. They look like those Honda trucks, whatever those Honda pickup trucks are. That's the other thing too. Ridge line, whatever. These things are very low T. I don't want a low T vehicle in my life. I want a high T. High T. Did you see that that Chevy that got caught in the tornado last night here in Texas? Oh, car, pull up the video, please. This (laughs) This would never happen to a Tesla or anything like that. There was a tornado... Just north of the city, Round Rock, Texas. Really? Uh, went over I-35 and somebody, a storm chaser, caught the video of this fucking badass Chevy. Car's going to pull it up right now. You'll see it on the screen here. Oh, wow. He's got it. <laughs> this is like, Chevy, I know I know people were, I don't think anybody died. I think people were injured. And you never want anybody to get injured, but like Chevy needs to make this a commercial. Go full screen if you can. We're watching. Oh, it. that's it right there. I see yeah. it. Well, rewind a little bit, Car. If you look at it, it gets beat up a little what? bit. Look at this no thing. No way. Look, the tornado knocks it on its side. It just kind of gets nudged. I'm just like imagining the guy in the car like <gasps> bumping it. Wow. Yeah. You're not going to get that with an EV truck. 
Wow, unbelievable. Like a rock. That is unbelievable. Now he's driving. He's fine. <laughs> he's, it looked like he had like a little tornado fishtail. This is, we're going to turn the Chevy needs to turn that into a. No way. Yeah. Wow. Although, you know, the EVs are pretty heavy. <laughs> they're, they're made of plastic. That dude yeah. would have oh, been sitting true. on yeah. a. Yeah. They would have been sitting on like a chair and like a stealing wheel with like a lithium yeah, ion yeah. battery behind yeah, it. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be like the old cartoons where he's like the outhouse gets ripped off, like the whole cover <laughs> of the Tesla's gone, and he's like <laughs> sitting there in his seatbelt. <laughs> uh, the lithium ion battery gets struck by lightning, yeah. catches on oh, fire, yeah. catches oh, on man. fire for two weeks straight. Oh and yeah, like, that's another yeah. thing with those. They catch on fire. Like what it was the Australia had that Tesla plant? Yeah, we we have one up in the bay. Uh that they can't keep online battery storage. It yeah. can like store enough battery power for like a minute or like well, <laughs> a half a minute of power. Hey, hey, hey. We're just around the corner. Yeah. Okay, we're we're almost there. Right. Moore's law is gonna drive us to the point where battery technology is gonna far surpass anything that we've seen to date. Anything. Twelve years. Yeah. Twelve years. Yeah. It's always something like that, isn't it? It's yeah. always like, oh, well, and then we're going to recycle the batteries. And you're like, what? <laughs> we can't even recycle plastic <laughs> bottles. We're going to recycle these lithium ion batteries. It's, Who's going to do that? And how much energy does that take? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, by recycle, we're just going to drive them down to Tijuana. And yeah. Them in the yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we're going to do a, a, a life cycle analysis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we if we have 400 million EVs, then we get economic with our recycling. Oh, yeah, then we get there. Yeah, we just, get there. just so happens that the Congo is a hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah, care about them, exactly. though. We can't see them here. We're going to be doing like cruises or tours of these mines like that's it's gonna be a tourist attraction <laughs> disneyland congo yes we lost many child slaves here but oh my gosh look at all the evs we have unbelievable and guess what they only last for five years and you need to figure out how to recycle them right oh they figured it out right oh yeah they know what to do take it to mexico well they modeled it out they modeled, <laughs> they modeled it, it out and the model says it's everything's recyclable yes yeah yeah you're just gonna somehow evaporate this lithium ion and all the chemicals that you put in it. Right. Uh, and that's, Gavin Newsom has said that the Salton Sea in California is the Saudi Arabia of lithium. So he's willing to go all in on what that. Are you, what are the people of California doing? What happened? Like French laundry should have been done. Should have been done. Should have been done. Should have been done. It's the, there's just so many. How wacky, does that happen? There's just so many wacky old people that just vote with a D that's it. And then, you know, the, the recall was never going to work, but, um, now he's running and it's really no, no name opponents, you know, um, Doesn't so he it's have, tough. How the fuck is Gaffin news? He like literally looks like Michael or Patrick Bateman. Like, <laughs> like he, like yeah. he is that sociopathic. It's yeah. pretty obvious. He like, is, he is. And now he can do whatever he wants. I mean, Michael Schellenberger's running. I love that. I dude. like him. Michael. I think he's rad. Michael, if you're listening, check your DMs. I have about a hundred in there. Like, come on, dude. Come, come on. on the show. Come on. The show. <laughs> he's great. His book. I think it's here. Oh no, that's unsettled. I thought I saw it. I've here. had, I've had uh, Coonan on the podcast. This is uh Coonan came on. Yeah. Michael, listen to that. Michael, if you're listening, I had Steve Coonan on. He was, he was cool enough to come on. I'm not saying that you're not cool, but like, I think you're like, it was this weirdo tweet about Bitcoin asking me, the person who wrote 
San Francisco to come, San Francisco, Sico, yeah. excuse me, to come on the podcast. Yeah. Just some dude. Yeah. Mike, Mike's a Californian. Yeah, I, I'll go up to San Francisco. I'll campaign watch. for you. Yeah, you know. I don't like Gavin Newsom. Yeah, I'm down. And and the other opponent is uh, Senator Brian Dahl, who's a state senator from Sacramento. Uh, I've met him, really good guy, uh, farmer. And he sees that like ag is getting pushed out of California. Production of oil and gas is getting pushed out. So um, I think he's got the political experience. And then Schellenberger's got obviously his experience in, as an author and advocate. So it, it, I would love for one of them to pull it off. I just don't see it happening. Well, Schellenberg, if you don't come on the podcast, we're going to get Dahl on the podcast. We're right. going to win, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have that much influence here. He needs here. money. He needs money. They all need money because Newsom's got like $25 million or something already just sitting there. Probably so, probably made illegally. Yeah. China. China, really? I don't know. <laughs> China. 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 Just say China. Just say yeah. China for everything. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we've got plenty of time. I thought we were, we're like not even two hours into this. Yeah, we're just oh, started. yeah, let's go. What do you want to talk about? I mean, I mean, French Laundry, you guys should have kicked him out right away. Yeah, but yeah. should have been gone. Like, somebody speaking in the comments out there. Uh, <laughs> can we embolden the oil and gas industry to come out of this like on, on your knees posture? I think it's... It, I think what has to happen is... Am, the, I, am I crazy? Am I a pipe dreamer? No. I'm going to go to Empower next week and be like, you're all pussies. No, I, I, think, I think the moment has to come where everybody in Texas and elsewhere can no longer think, well, California, you guys just move in here and everything goes to shit. And no, like we all need to fight together on the front lines of where these precedents are being set is my theory and precedent is being set in California and whether we as an industry or just as society like it or not the number two is Kamala Harris who's California the number three is Nancy Pelosi who is California. So I get into it sometimes on Twitter with my like 12 followers, like, Hey, Texans, California is running the show, whether you like it or not. And that's a very, a, Texans don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear they that. Don't. They do not want to hear that. And, but it's, the, it's the truth because we've got 53 house seats in Congress. It's California, New York, around the country. Yeah. It's, it's the obvious. country. And that's what's it. it I remember being in Midland, Texas on election night, 2016, and we were just ripping shots of tequila, drinking beer. I mean, it was just this total unexpected thing that Trump was going to win. And we're at the grocery store. <laughs> Hillary's like, crying. In yeah, the back. getting ready to pregame. And I remember because I'm coming from California. I had just gotten in that day and we're getting our stuff to pregame. And the, the gal checking us out was like, oh, he's going to win. Trump's going to do it. I'm like, really? I, how is that even going to happen? Like, no way. And then it happened. And that's what I think we all need to come to this realization like, the Biden thing happened like it's real now and all the bad stuff that the, that we thought was coming happened this first year. And if we don't realize that California crazy policies are now DC's policies, we're, we're going to wake up in three years and who knows what's going to go by. There's going to be deaths. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. The energy policy is going to lead to deaths. It's already happened yeah. here in Texas. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was just like failed grid policy overproduction of 
unreliable renewables, gas lines froze up, mm-hmm. nuclear sensors failed. Beautiful shit show. Yeah, like if, if the Green New Deal people get their way, there will be deaths in America. Right. Whether yeah, freezing to death, heat stroke, or being unable to feed themselves because people or, are having or, to weigh the killing call. each other in the gas line. That as well. Like people are like, like oh dude, I saw a video Snoop Dogg actually posted it on his Instagram. <laughs> but no, nah, we're laughing, but it, it scared the shit out of me. Some dude in LA was just like, Joe. He's like crying, sobbing, yeah, crying. Yeah. He's like, Joe, I didn't eat today. You want to know why I didn't eat? Because I couldn't afford gas to get to my job. Obviously working like right. a job where he gets paid out every day. Right. Like that's, we're already there. Right. Like that's just one anecdotal example. Imagine how many of those individuals are out there. Right. That aren't creating videos. And then if you, $10 gas, $15 gas. And we haven't even seen inflation Food yet. prices rising yeah. alongside it. Like We haven't even seen it yet. Inflation hasn't happened yet. We are talking about it. I th- I mean, there. I saw on Twitter today, um, who was it? Javier uh, over at Bloomberg was talking yes. about a diesel shortage. Like, well, how does all our stuff get in from the port? Yeah. Diesel. So how, so that's another reason, like California policy impacts the middle of, middle of the country. Like all those diesel tra- trailers bringing everything, half of our imports in are going to be short diesel. And the diesels, the main asphalt and diesel are what California heavy oil, you know, typically goes to for feed side. You're, you're taking heavy crude and you're making asphalt to make the roads and diesel to move these products. And these are the two things we need right now. And you're telling me we can't, we can't make them. It's really scary. Like it's crazy. I know we've been laughing and palling around. Yeah, but this shit's serious. It really is. <laughs> like, it really. But you have to laugh about it, otherwise you'll just be depressed. Yeah. I mean, because you know, a lot of the hardcore environmental activists see how angry they are. Like nobody wants to listen to that all day. No. Like it's not a it's not a winning message. No. It's like crying and skipping school and like protesting and. Woe is me. You're the problem. Yeah. Like. My mommy and daddy put me on a sailboat to tell you this. And like, and then that's the person that's going to go and testify in front of Congress. Like you can't pull out someone that knows the facts. It's like. You have AOC. Oh my God. I know. AOC. Yeah. She's got a Tesla. I heard. I thought you said chess there for a second. (laughs) She has both of those. We're not allowed to talk about her physical assets. Her chesticles. No, we can't talk about those. No. She uh, talks about him though. She'll like say like, "Oh, that senator's checking me out. <laughs> Why are you checking me out?" Oh, you misogynist. Yeah, I think we're turning into a, a pro oil and gas misogynist podcast. Okay. No, I think it it's by local. It's it's all this stuff is tied together. It really is. I mean, it's really the so that's the other frustrating part where you have to laugh is the solutions are very they're right here, simple, they're right in front of us. Yeah, you don't need like credits and trading schemes and you don't need any of it no you don't need any of it that's been one of the beautiful things of uh moving to austin texas is uh the plethora of ranchers that live around here mm-hmm. buy your local beef kate shout right. out knc cattle ranch here nice they uh supplied the beef steak last friday after the bitcoin takeover we had uh beef that was raised less than 10 miles away from where we're sitting right now and I bet it was the best tasting beef you could buy. Fucking incredible. Yeah. You know how far that traveled? You know what the uh, CO2 right. footprint, on was that, uh, footprint on that was? As minimal as it could be. Exactly. 
It's that simple. And I think that's how this, all this needs to be like simplified to people is like, I do the same. There's a strawberry stand at the bottom of our hill. It's like, we go get the strawberries that were grown five miles up the road. It's like the best tasting strawberries you can buy. And it's uh, my buddies that came to the lease. They're like, you need to name your product. And they're like, I'm like, what, what would you name it? They're like local honey. <laughs> local honey. So now I'm going to be selling barrels of local honey. Oh, yeah. See that? It's, well, a stupid thing is like that. That would get people like, oh, you're yeah. selling local honey. It's yeah. a positive connotation. People like honey. Put a little bee on it. I can't say local sludge. Yeah. yeah. The problem is my barrel, and, and and that's the whole other like ball of yarn that people get so confused about is like this is a global market at the same time. So when these, you know policies get rolled out. Like, Why isn't gasoline prices dropping? Like the price of oil dropped last week. Why? It's like, well, it doesn't work that way. It's like, it's, a, it's well, let's get into that. Cause I don't think people really understand that. Like not all oil is fungible, right? Yeah. And it, it trades on the water. It trades probably right yeah. before it gets delivered to port. It's like, traded all the way here. So you have sweet crude in Nigeria. You have your heavy crude in California. You got tar sands in Canada. You got light in Permian or lighter shale production yeah. out there. Well, like how is each one treated differently? Uh, well, I mean, in the you got to have a certain amount of each in, in the refinery. And those refineries can't necessarily be rebuilt or... Uh, different sources that easily. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you know, these gas stations are buying product at a price point <laughs> and whatever volume they're buying that week. And then, you know, it's not like they're buying every day, you know, they, so if they're locked into a big purchase, they're going to be selling it at a higher price. And you know, we had like that. They're greedy. Yeah, exactly. They're greedy. It's a, but we had that blip of like, what was it? 130 for like four days. It was in that mm -hmm. 130 range. And then it dropped and people are saying it, it dropped. It's like, well, no, it was 66 bucks in November. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't dropped. It, it went from 130 to like 112. It's still up 60%. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you expecting the price of gasoline to do? Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well, so like, can we dissect that narrative that, oh, the oil and gas companies had their, their largest quarter of profits in yeah. some time. Right. Like they're, they're being greedy in the time of need. Right. Right. DRW broke this down on one of his LinkedIn posts recently. And, I had and, to, that's and, why, like, I didn't find you for a while because I'm not on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. I've been more on LinkedIn. I only got on. Yeah. Why are you on LinkedIn? Uh, I don't know. LinkedIn's like the worst. I don't, thing. I don't need a job. I haven't been looking for a job. Yeah. Get off LinkedIn. <laughs> for like five years. I don't know why. I'm on. Well, now that I have Twitter, I know I got Twitter at that. At that I told way. you. Yeah, I said, you, you got to get on Twitter. Be, I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, I get, I get, I don't know. I don't, like, I don't, I'll talk to anybody, but, uh, yeah, DRW is one of those down. dudes too. He's on LinkedIn only. And he broke it down about basically showing from f the end of 14 to 2021, it was shitty. So, like, if you look at the returns over the six years we've just been through, it's like minimal. Yeah. It's like 3%. I forget what his LinkedIn post. He's so analytical. I mean, that guy's crazy smart. He's based. Um, too. But yeah, it's like you, you you can't just look at one year. Like who's I I one don't quarter. I don't have a lot of tweets that go viral because I don't have a lot of followers yet. But I tweeted like who's taxing the record profits of Pfizer and Moderna and like right. I, don't, I forget how many hundred or thousand people like it. I'm like oh wow, that's how Twitter works. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I remember retweeting it, but it's like true. It's like yeah. oh, they got a government subsidy to 
to push out a, an injection that may not have been as uh, as advertised. Yeah, it's like, who, ta- who no, no one's talking about taxing them. They made billions of dollars. Literally taxpayer money was printed out, to, like, boom, thrown at them. Yeah. Keep the profits. Right. Yeah. And they're not uh, legally liable for any potential adverse reactions. So yeah. Well, now the SEC say maybe maybe the public oil and gas companies will be liable for their climate impact. That that's coming out. I read that in the Wall Street Journal today. It's like, what? Why is the SEC worried about climate impact, dude? Again, I think these people in the political spectrum, many of them, not all of them, they want to control us. It doesn't make any sense. Chuck Schumer came out and was like, "We need Biden to uh, to create an emergency order for." Uh, climate change right emergency orders climate yeah. change we we have well, i forget ex- the exact term but it was essentially right. like you yeah i use, think it was a yeah you need emergency, to use your yeah. a state of emergency climate emergency was a, it a climate i think a, it was a climate emergency yeah declare a climate emergency. declare a climate yes. emergency so that we can force people to buy seventy thousand dollar teslas right and or do whatever we tell them yeah. that's best for the climate because they have degrees in environmental management and yeah. they know what we should be doing for the climate. These people have at the end of their degrees in corruption freeze. Yeah. They do not care about you. No. They do not care about the environment because if they did, California wouldn't be importing, uh, what is it? 70% Six, of our crude. From Ecuador. From, well, yeah, 25% comes from Ecuador. Mm-hmm. 25% comes from Saudi. 25% comes from Iraq. <laughs> Some from Colombia. And 15 million barrels from Russia last year. And did you know, no one reports, Gavin Newsom went to Cabo last year and there's this story and I, I posted, it didn't get any tweets. See, I think Twitter kind of like thumps down certain yeah, things. When you come at the, uh, the Pfizer, Moderna, they yeah. he's like, get the fuck back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he stayed at this resort uh, mansion that apparently is owned by some Russian oligarch. Huh. That was his family vacay in between emergency orders last year. Interesting. Do you yeah. have this pulled up car? Is this what you're looking at? Yeah. Oh yeah, they have they they got the paparazzi pictures of him uh, poolside or on the beach with his kids, and it's like, <sighs> dude, is this these, for real? These people do not care about you. Yeah, there he is. He's on the patio. Back. Back. That we're back. Talk about Gavin Newsom getting getting close with some Russian oligarchs, and they cut your Wi-Fi. They know what we're talking about. Yeah, they were, we're onto something. Maybe we were. Yep. But how do these civil servants get that rich? Nancy Pelosi, obviously, she's insider trading. It's pretty obvious. Gavin Newsom. I want to get in that clown car. I don't want to get in there. Those people. <laughs> those people are miserable. Yeah, that's true. And they're yeah. fake psychopaths. Yeah. I hope I'm not a psychopath. I'd like to think I'm not. You don't seem that way. I don't. I got a pretty good judge of character. All right, good. You seem good. Yeah. Good. Car, am I psycho? Okay, good. Car confirms too. Yeah. Um, that being said, we have to get to dinner at some point. I have to go home. Absolutely. Uh, wife's got a nail appointment for 45 minutes and then we'll reconvene for dinner. Perfect. What should Sounds we tell the great. freaks out there about oil and gas uh, produced domestically, ESG, whatever the fuck it may be? How should we end this? I, I think we all just need to support local production of oil and gas, of anything you're buying, food, groceries, anything. It's going to get to a point where local production is maybe all we have if the supply chains shut down. So yeah. we better start thinking about it and talking about it and supporting it and, and voting for candidates that support things that are made here. Yeah. Or like just like don't listen to these idiots and just start drilling 
Right. Start plugging in minors. Yeah. Fuck these people. They hate you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whisper, it, it's more powerful. Yeah, it, is, it is. Very serious. Peace of love, freaks. Yeah. Okay.